This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Settle in. And um, what are you doing? Are you eating? I brought snacks. Well, that that's great to listen to well, a no, podcast. Yeah, I invite you to bring maybe an almond snack or... Yes, an invitation for a snack to listen to this is great. That's good protein. You're on the podcast. You can't. No, nobody aware. wants to hear you chew. Well, some videos on YouTube get a lot of views for people. The, the ASMR. This is an almond. <laughs> it's so true. It's so See? true. That is really a thing. It's a satisfying. Uh, thing. We are Rochelle and Carter through Hope on Demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are new, welcome. First of all, but Hope on Demand is is great. There's there's articles. There's other podcasts. There's videos of Christian artists. And it's talking about real life. I like how a lot of things that are fluffy and encouraging out there, and you be you and your identity, um, but it can it can really be a facade. It can really be a just help yourself and just say these this mantra or say these things. And this is where true hope come from, comes from. This, this is from the Word of God and Hope on Demand inspired with the message of Jesus to pass along authentic hope. Yeah, I think people see through it. When it's kind of a, a facade. When they're like outside of the church, absolutely yeah. they see through it. And I think all of those things can stem from sincerity. Sure, sure. You know, things that have been so meaningful in the past. And so they're carried on as tradition in terms of platitudes or. Well, I guess I'm not even talking about church experiences. stuff. I mean like this, like the saying, it gets better. Oh. Like from pain. I'm talking about mainstream, sure. secular things. It gets better. And man, you you lose somebody close enough to you in your life. Sure. I mean, I get better. Yeah. It gets better when God wipes every tear away in the end. You have to fill in the blank. That's the true hope right there. Yeah. A lot of things get left out of those popular scripture quotes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And you mm -hmm. don't get all of the verse. It's so important that you get all of the verse. He works all things together for good for those who love him who are called according to his purpose. Yep. He does not work all things together together for good according to the world's standards. Because they'd true. be like, what are you talking about? But if I am in Christ and I've been called. That's a promise to believers. And I know where my, my future lies and that I can even taste the kingdom of heaven right now in yep. the midst of distress. Right. Even though I may not be walking out a garden party situation, you know? I guess this is a segue to what my thing is this week. So, by the way, this is a podcast we kind of just walk through with where we're at spiritually and going through the Bible or, or you know, maybe we listen to a, a pastor, what they had to say. And and I, I have heard this phrase. I've said this phrase. I've heard this phrase. And I love part of the idea of it. But a part of me always wondered, and I heard a pastor cover this, um, when you're going through pain, when, mm-hmm. you know, one of those moments where somebody might tell you it gets better, but you are distraught and you don't know why. And I've heard people say the phrase, um, you know, you can pound on God's chest. He yeah. can take it. You can ask him why you can let out your frustration. You can go to God. I know I've said it. Yeah. I I heard it really put, especially when you think about the Psalms, there is a lot of grief there. Sure. And I think it was just wrapped up very well to not go to a prideful place because mm. that phrase, God can take it. Well, yeah, I mean, God, can, God. God can take your blasphemy. Sure. <laughs> he can take anything, right? But yeah. what are we supposed to be doing? And certainly going to God, certainly letting him know how Absolutely. you feel. Mm-hmm. 
but always the understanding, every one of the Psalms that I'm getting ready to read you one of the Psalms here, mm-hmm. Psalm 13, there is extreme pain. And then there's recognition that God is still in charge and his ways are beyond my ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so anytime we let it go to a place where you don't know what you're doing, mm-hmm. that's the place that we shouldn't go. Right. Where I know better than God right. is the place that we should not let it go. I think that's so good. And some, sometimes you just assume when you make statements like, well, if you need to pound on daddy God's chest, do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm you know, that you just assume that that's not where you're going to stay is in that place of frustration because you are going to work through things just like you would in any good relationship if you need to, hey, have a come to Jesus meeting kind of a thing. Sure. But I I think even in the moment, it's making sure that I don't, even in the the moment of pain, not letting it even then get to a place because, well, yeah, we'll work it out later. You'll see God move in it later. Mm -hmm. But even in the distraughtness, this is probably not even a word, but not letting it go to, I know better than you and this isn't right. Mm -mm, I shouldn't be saying that. He's God. He's God. And he knows. But having said that, if you've ever done that, which I definitely have, uh, God has given me grace and forgiveness. Sure. But, But I completely agree you know, just because I hash things out with my husband, I will still make choices as to what I will say out loud mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. I will never be able to take back. Now, if True. God knows my thoughts. Yeah, yeah. But then you got you got to think, is it a temptation and a thought that crosses your mind or a thought that you're going to hang on to? And am I making the choice as to whether it's going to pass through the lips? True. Because I think, God, if he knows my heart, then he's going to see my choosing. Lord, I'm really angry in this moment. But I am choosing to praise you, Mm, you know, and hopefully we will grow to that place. I think whenever I've uttered those words in the past, though, um, yeah, it's with assumptions and that's never a good thing. So don't ever assume that people are going to know what you mean. I think and there's one person that I'm thinking of in my life that um, that shared a story online and it was um, I don't want to get into the details of it, uh, but it was that kind of mentality of. You know, I was mad at God and I told God, you don't know what you're doing. Mm. That's not a great example. No. It ha- okay, it happened. Yeah. That's not what we should be telling people when we say, let let God have it. Yeah. Let God have your feelings. Don't let God have it like we're in charge of that because pride is where sort of the fall begins. You look at the, the conversation that Mary had with the angel Gabriel as opposed to Zachariah. Yes. And so Mary is the woman that was selected by God to carry Jesus. I never want to assume that you know who I'm talking about. There's a zillion Marys in the Bible, too. That's true. But <laughs> last count, it's a zillion and one. Uh, Which isn't even a real number. Okay. But Zacharias was the father of John the Baptist, mm-hmm. and his encounter with the angel, Mary's like, look, I'm not married yet. How can I have a baby? But I'm I'm willing. She was kind of asking the how is it going to is, happen? Is that going to be okay? Uh-huh. I haven't. Do I? Maybe it was even a conversation of do I need to get with someone? Right. Do I need to be with Joseph and then this will be your baby? I, you know, just clarification maybe. Yeah. As opposed to Zacharias, who clearly the angel saw straight through what was happening and was doubting and like, my wife and I are old. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How could this be? I think if we were so, present for each conversation, we'd have an understanding. There's even a if, different heart. Exactly right. Behind it. So I think that's what you're getting at. But to be blunt, yeah, that was the conversation I had with the Lord 
when I first realized something was different with my oldest son, there was something that I had begged God to spare him any sort of mental distress. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have this history of mental illness in my family. It's caused me tremendous amounts of pain, uh, not just with relationships um, or seeing my, my father was bipolar disorder who uh, quite frankly went off the deep end a couple of times had to be uh, admitted into the psychiatric ward twice by my mom. It was the hardest thing she's ever had to do. And uh, in my own experience have just uh, to be again, quite frank, it was hellish. Mm. It was so horrible. So God, please spare my child. And then I realized something was going on and he was two years old and I was pregnant with my firstborn. And I just, yeah, I let God have it in that sense. And looking back, I know there was grace for me because my daddy God saw. And when we read throughout the scripture, you will read as you're about to in Psalms, you will see David utter, Lord, why? Mm-hmm. You'll you'll see Job ask, why? What is going on? I'm reading Jeremiah right now. Jeremiah is like, God, why? So we know that he can quote, take it. However, getting to that place of what Mary said to the angel. His will be done. Right. Let it be as you have said. That's what I need to be doing. And we can you know? say that with confidence right now. But then when you lose a child yeah. or something, yeah, fill in the blank. Whew, yeah. I can't even imagine. Clearly, I failed in that moment. And I, I, I think uh, a lot of us will. I think we just want to set what is the example? Mm-hmm. What is going too far in our feelings? Lord, you have been with me. In the past, you are here with me presently. I choose to trust you is mm. what I need to say. Yeah. And I swore in my conversation with God. Mm. I was, I yeah, I failed that moment. But Jesus knew I would fail that moment, which is why he came and died for me on the cross. Yeah. So that I could be redeemed from those moments. You know what I mean? Here's a great example of it. Okay. Psalm 13, real short, six verses. Psalm 13. Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, oh, Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. And here you have the turn. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Not I did, I will, just claiming it. Yeah, yeah. In faith. I I heard this the other day, a question asked of a pastor. I don't feel like, fill in the blank, going to church, reading the Bible. I don't feel like I love God, but I I choose to. I, I still do those things. What does this mean about my spiritual life? Hmm. And the pastor answered, it was really, really good. I, he's like, that's awesome <laughs> that you're, you're doing it. I think about the perspective of what true love is. Mm-hmm. I serve my wife. Mm-hmm. I don't always want to, but mm-hmm. I do because it's sacrificial love. I choose to do those things. And that's where the, I just think that Christianity, especially in America, is so feelings-based that we have to be so cautious that just because we don't feel like reading the Bible mm-hmm. or the Bible some days or most days, 
but you choose to do that or listen to a podcast like this for a quiet time or choose to pray or choose to you fill in what you're doing when you're choosing those things, even though you don't feel them much like he's choosing to to say, I will praise the Lord. I will trust in his unfailing love. I will the feelings be gone, right? Mm. You are choosing in faith to follow what you know is true. And I think that is such, such a thing that doesn't get enough credit in Christianity. Faith is knowing that God is so real and so true that you may not even feel him tell you which direction to go. You may not even feel the answer. And yet scripturally, you know, that he's there, that this is true, and this is what I'm choosing to do with my life. Yeah. I mean, that that's, that's ultimately it. It's a covenant situation when you've chosen Jesus. Mm-hmm. But he chose you right back, which means he's in it. Yeah. There is no divorce situation. Right. And right. Uh, that's what he has modeled for us. But we are a very emotional. Yes, we are. And sensitive yes, we are. people. Which is not necessarily a bad thing because God created emotions. He created those places in our brain sure. that flutter and, and you know, get excited. I'm about to talk a song of songs. Well. Song of Solomon. Well, I just blushed. <laughs> I matched my red shirt. You did a little yeah. bit. <laughs> uh, you know, he created all those things for a reason, but all of it is to be committed to him. And we always have to get back to the truth, which is. That's the foundation, right? Is mm-hmm. Jesus. I have to get back to the foundation because everything else is shifting sand. Yeah. Like feelings. I, I, I equate it to this. I may have said this before, forgive me, but if, hey, if you knew the podcast, then, then uh, you haven't heard this before. We don't always want to know the hard truth. Um, we feel like we don't. But it'd be like going to the doctor and the doctor uh, having news that you're diagnosed with something life-threatening. Mm-hmm. The doctor having the news that you are terminally ill and you have two weeks to live and him instead going, well, you know what? It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. No, no, just come out with it. Right. And so the the feel good Christianity that can be there and with some speakers or churches or, or what have you, you know, we want to, What is the truth? What is God's will? It what? Is it, it's something God, God has something. I believe he's laid it out in scripture and we just need to know what the truth is and not try and change it or rationalize it to go along with our feelings. So I, I, I love the movie Finding Nemo and there's this part where they have to ride the current uh-huh. with the turtles, right? With the turtles. Yeah. And it's a strong current. And once you're in it, you just go along. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. If you go against it, I mean, you're not going to get anywhere if you get out of it, you're spun out of it and you miss everything else that's going on with the current. And I heard it so beautifully put the other day by a pastor who we are to ride the Holy Spirit current. Mm. And so it's not about my direction. It's about his direction. And so the whole me thing that we become obsessed with when we're children because it's you know, how does this affect me mine this is mine, mine. That, that, that's the birds in the movie the right birds yeah. in the movie, Nemo. <laughs> but i i want to ride god's current so what does that mean that means not resisting it hmm. that means not trying to get out of it uh because if i stay on track with it i'm going to to get from point a to point b hmm. just fine yeah um 
Yeah. So thank you, Pixar. <laughs> Always great. Keep it up. Uh, you ready for Song of Songs? You ready to talk? So, if, no, if you're new to what this is, uh, Song of Songs <laughs> is the marriage book. It is well, the... It, it, yeah, it is when pastors, you know, decide <laughs> to go over the intimacies of marriage. And yeah. usually it's like a, a Bible study on Wednesday nights or Sunday nights. So the kids are somewhere else in the building. There's a lot of non-visual terminology used in the Song of Songs as well. So when you start hearing the two people that are talking to each other, which it's mainly a girl talking. I mean, it's called it's been called the Song of Solomon, mm-hmm. also yeah. Song of Songs. And uh, if you think of like uh, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, this is like the song to beat out all songs okay. is kind of how it's expressed. And apparently when compared to other cultures and civilizations, it was very normal to have poetry, romantic poetry. So this is very in line with the culture of the times yeah. when it came out. So some people have said, well, maybe that's why it's been included in scriptures because this is a part of the culture. This was normal. And it was talking this, this woman talking about a man she was about to marry. They could hardly wait to be together. Some have also used the comparison uh, in the New Testament. We think of the church as the bride of Christ and Jesus being the groom, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like, oh, well, is that how we're supposed to look at it? Because a lot of people are like, why is this in the middle of the Bible? This It doesn't get covered a lot. Open, no. Openly. Well, because openly. a lot of body parts don't get covered. That's in the book of the Song of Songs. So, That's true. Uh, of course, it's got all this imagery from the garden, interestingly enough. So mm. when he's comparing or she's comparing him or her, yeah, pomegranates are in there and flocks of goats describe hair. And then I think, oh, what was the one? I don't know. Your teeth are so white, like bathed. What did they say? Bathed like, goats or something? It was like this goats. comparison okay. that if my husband had ever gone, hey, baby. Your teeth are like goats. Yeah. I'd be like, oh gosh, okay, I should get that check. I, <laughs> I need. To, I have a problem. I. You know what? I'm going for it. I'm getting veneers. Uh, exactly. Just because of that exactly. comment, right? But it is an interesting tie-in to the Garden of Eden, where there is this unmasked love, and this pure. I just desire you. I love you. This this beautiful representation and there's a lot of like gardeny things thrown in there. And so it's just fascinating that this book is in there. And so whatever you take out of it, fantastic. Uh, the commitment between the man and the woman makes you kind of wonder, is this Solomon? I don't know, because they just seem like they're the only ones in the world. Mm. And Solomon had 700 wives. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But uh, anyway, so I, that's all I'm going to say about the Song of Songs. We're well, going to move on. Then let me say this before you, you're in Jeremiah, right? Yeah. So before we get there, yeah, yeah. I have a, a comedy sketch idea. Oh. That it's a uh, like a small like a small group at a church where, you know, married couples come to the small group uh-huh. and they're all just checking in with each other. What are you guys going through this week? Spiritually, prayers, anything, catch your eye on the Bible or a podcast, you know, and, you know, the Johnsons are over here and they're like, we've gone through Galatians. You know, it's really, really wow. good. And yeah. then the Smiths are over here and they're like, we heard a pastor speak on sacrifice. Wow. And, you know, wow, that's yeah, incredible. Yeah. Now, what about you? What about you, the uh, the, the, the Warrens? Um, and they kind of like hold hands and get a little closer and they go, We've been going through Song of Solomon together. 
And then it just gets very odd. There's like way too much like affection going on. Oh, okay. And they're trying to change the subject. Yeah. I just want to talk about my favorite verse. From, moving on. Okay, moving on. Moving yeah. on. Moving on. It is interesting that at the in these chapters they get they get kind of racy, and then they cut it off right at the place where you're like, I don't know if my kids should read this. This, this is the Bible. This is yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and even at the ending, it talks about. I mean, you don't like have a finality about the book either. It's just it's hmm. this. It's meant to be read all in a row. Romance, poetry. That's interesting. And if you're like, oh, then I need to go out and buy this at, like as a book for my wife or my husband. Maybe read it first. Okay. Because they may go, wait, you think my neck looks like a tower or whatever it is that they say? Wait, what? You know I like giraffes. <laughs> <laughs> Some of it's, yeah, it's a little over the top, but it's 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 about... Um, it, less about imagery, more about this is the way you make me feel or what was treasured or valued mm. in the time. That's good. And so making these comparisons. So, But Jeremiah is interesting because it starts out a little, it reminds me of so many of the stories in scripture. He's basically starting out going, I, I'm not the one to do this. I can't talk good. Well, Here we what, go. He's a prophet. He's God's voice piece, <laughs> right? And uh, he, off the bat, says that, but God is going to use him anyway. And what does that remind you of? I hope it reminds you of you. Because I look in the mirror and every day I see somebody broken. I see somebody that the Holy Spirit glue has put me back together. And if Jesus is shining out of me, that's all right, because that means he's shining through the cracks that is who I am. I love this list. When you brought up this uh, before we started uh, mm-hmm. about Jeremiah saying, oh, I can't be used. I, there's lists like this that have been in different memes before. So I'm just going to read it. Hopefully read this, it. this is all accurate. Okay. Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a temper. David had an affair. Noah got drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossip. Martha was a warrior. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Moses stuttered. Zacchaeus was short. Abraham was old. Lazarus was dead. And then it lists 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Yes. That's fantastic. But when you think of when you think of some of these people, maybe the first thought you have is not their negative, the the negative connotation in Scripture. Some of these stories, we always like the positive parts. Yeah. 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 You think about how Peter, well, on this rock, I will build my church is what Jesus says of him. Yeah. You think about him being that disciple that, yeah, he messed up. He denied Jesus. Denied Jesus. Oh, He's also the guy who walked on water. He's the guy who martyred was martyred for the, the cause of Christ, you mm-hmm. know? But yeah, just, he, he, they're describing you and me. Every single person on this planet is in need of Christ. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's not just a thing we say. Mm. It's planted in scripture. And there are examples in every single book of the Bible yeah. that ring true to that fact. Everybody. So we're all broken, and Jeremiah is no different, and he's like, oh, I'm not the person for this job. And God's like, no, I beg to differ. And By I've, the way. And I've done this before. Uh, <laughs> thanks, uh, Moses. Yeah, Moses yeah. the stutterer. <laughs> uh, and there was a purification process, like, uh, you know what? I need to purify your mouth so you can be my mouthpiece. It reminded me of Isaiah a little bit where the cherubim comes over and touches his mouth with the hot coal. You may oh, remember that part. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh Jeremiah, there's this one, first of all, he does a lot of what 
the psalmists have done throughout the book of Psalms. And, and Psalms are not always a grievous thing at the very beginning and a rejoicing at the end. No, a lot of them are just celebratory. Sure, sure. Some of them um, are hugely meant to be sung by mm-hmm. choirs, mm-hmm. right? But uh, Jeremiah is called, has been referenced as the weeping prophet. He cries a lot. And I don't blame him because we're talking about, can you imagine you are the the one person in your area, and he's living, we're talking about the southern kingdom. It's been divided. Israel's up top in the mm-hmm, north. Mm-hmm. Judah is down below. Well, Israel's, I believe at this time, it's already been taken out. It's, it's, it's been disbanded. It's been mm-hmm. exiled. But Judah's still hanging on. And there are these prophecies that they believe, oh, well, you know, we're always going to have a king in the line of David, so we're going to be all right. And then Micah comes along, this prophet, and says, uh, no, you ain't. Something's going to go down, and you better be watching out, Jerusalem. And then Jeremiah comes along and reiterates the fact that, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to find ourselves in a world of hurt. We've got to get it together. And sometimes you read through these passages and again, you go through, oh my word, this seems so harsh. And even Jeremiah went through moments of, Lord, this is so harsh, so harsh. But then you hear about uh, this valley where they would have human sacrifices and not just any humans, their children sometimes would be put on the altar, you know? And you hear these priests and prophets, and I'm going to put those in air quotes, who keep sharing the message of peace. It's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And Jeremiah's like, excuse me, you don't talk for God. In mm. fact, your bones are going to be littering the streets here. Dogs are going to be licking them clean. You're not talking for God. So he's the only dude <laughs> that, at least in this area, that is speaking on the cause for the cause of God. And he's not real liked. He's not like the popular guy. I would imagine not. I would imagine not. So that's why that's the weeping. You know, you can make fun of him a little bit. Oh, he's always crying. Well, I can't fathom. God keeps reinforcing his love and commitment and faithfulness to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I got you. You don't need anybody else. You've got me. Keep your eyes on that kind of a thing. And that's such a good reminder. Um, But Jeremiah, there's something that he says, I think it's in the second chapter, and it just stood out. There were these cisterns that they would create back in the day. Big, deep pits where when it rained, it would hold water. And they would be able to, you know, get from that well, if you will, the water that they needed to survive. And God compared the people, uh, his people, supposedly his people, to cracked cisterns. And you think about, okay, well, what good is a cracked cistern if all the water's running out? And he's saying, you know, you are going to all of these sources, these idols, And you're like a cracked cistern. Like, I have got all this goodness that I'm trying to pour into you. And none of this is holding true for you. You keep trying to get all these idols to pour into you. And it's it's running out because there's nothing there. And I thought about, I I was being made to think about water and its importance and the imagery of water. And recently coming into, um, into conversations, uh, through videos that I've been watching about, Jesus and when he compares himself to living water and the importance of it, as we know in this life and even through science, if you don't have it, you don't live. But there's always a need to like if you listen, kudos to you, by the way, if you're trying to lose those COVID-19 pounds, 
You're trying to get rid of it. You know you're sweating out all that water. You got to keep hydrated, keep drinking it, keep drinking it. Yep. These folks, they were talking about there's no rain. It's parched desert. This is where we lived. It didn't used to be like this. Why is it? the plants are dying? The animals are dying. It is not a good season. So they don't have what they need to sustain. The people would have passed down the stories generation upon generation. The need for water would have always been, a, I think, a symbol. You know, it would have been a very easy thing to think about in terms of, when Jesus comes to the Samaritan woman at the well and says, you're going to need water after you drink what you're getting from the well right here. You're going to need it. And uh, you're going to want some more. And you're going to want some more. And you're going to want some more. But if you drink from my well, if you drink from this living water, you'll never run out. You'll mm-hmm. always be satisfied. On the cross, when Jesus was pierced by the Roman soldier's spear, it says that blood came out. We know that that blood covering is so symbolic of the sacrificial lamb, the the sacrifice needing to purify the sins of the people, is is the ritual that would be performed by you know um, the Hebrew children since Moses, right? And even before that, we saw sacrifice. It wasn't necessarily a a thing that was established by Moses in terms of uh, it has to look like this every single time. That was what came along with Moses. He had a very strict schedule. This is what we're going to do. But before that, you know, Abel gave a sacrifice of yep. his sheep. And so we see sacrifice. But Jesus is like, no more, because I'm your sacrifice. And so blood comes out. But what else comes out for when that spear hits his side? Now, doctors in the audience may go, well, that's the fluid with the this and the that. And I don't know all of the specifics, but the scripture calls it water. Mm-hmm. Blood and water flowed. Water being, I am your life sustainer. That's just amazing. I don't want to be a crack sister, and I don't want all this goodness flowing out of me. Yeah. Um, and he wants to use, he wants to, in a sense, you know, I talked about us being cracked at the beginning in talking about Jeremiah. I'm not talking about that. That's a different thing. It's when we go to a different source right? that we're not going to be filled. I... With what you said about Jeremiah, you talked about how there were, quote, prophets that were speaking about peace and everything's going to be okay and all of that. And what a, it just made me think about today. Mm. And there are pastors that are preaching the truth of God Mm -hmm. and that are, um, and that some, some can be way too harsh and to it has to be this way. Certainly some of those churches where the pastor, you know, says, I, I don't like baseball. We're not going to do baseball at this church. Like that, that can get a little ridiculous, right? But then there's what we hear and what's so cool about how to live our lives. And God's cool with this. And God made you just, in fact, I, I saw a video about this. When people say uh, God loves you right where you're at, mm-hmm. we know what, what we mean, sure, but other people also mean no matter what lifestyle you live or what you're into or what your your habits are, because I thought the pastor said which it is so, still accurate, which is still accurate, but it, it's a better way to say it. How this pastor said okay, it. Okay, okay. He no no no. He loved you first. Yeah. He loved you first, mm. and then all of that stuff happened, and that stuff sin separates us from God. Yeah. And so I guess just with what you, I don't mean to necessarily end this on a downer or anything, but what you said about Jeremiah's time just made me think about today. Who are we listening to? Mm -hmm. Is it a person that is truly 
preaching scripture. I think that's not, not, I think I know that's why we need to be in scripture as yeah. well, not just relying on people. And, and then are we listening to voices that are saying it's okay? It's okay. God's fine. If you do this, God's fine. If you do that, it's kind of, it's kind of that saying God's fine. Yeah. God's fine. Am, is he fine with me doing this? It's a really good thing to do. I think what Jeremiah did at the beginning, which was to humble himself. Mm. Maybe he didn't do it the best way by saying, oh, not good enough. Right. But just remember when you put words in God's mouth and you're not sure. Yeah. That's what those yeah. guys basically did. That's true. And they let everything slide. All those guys were letting, hey, we're going to make sure that we keep doing this our ritual sacrifice and all these other things. But then they're out on the hilltops under the big trees, giving it up to the goddess Ashurath. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, wait, wait, what? So you, <laughs> that doesn't fly. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have two things streaming out of your mouth and just, and you know, you got, you either got Coca-Cola coming out of the spigot or you got water coming out of the spigot. You've got one choice. Yeah. Yeah. You can't have it both ways. And so Jeremiah was the guy sent in to say, nope, you're all wrong. And it, yeah, people weren't inviting him to a lot of celebrations, I would imagine. And in fact, <laughs> there was one there was one instance where the I think it was a priest who decided to have him arrested and just beaten. And they they like they did him in for a whole day, like until the next day. Then they released him. And then that's when Jeremiah looked at him and said, you you think you're a priest. Let me tell you. And then he tells him, doomsday's coming, basically, for he and his family. Oof. And, yeah, I just, I got to be careful. So, Lord, even with this podcast, when you hear Carter and I kind of going back and forth and discover it for yourself. Yeah. Like, sometimes I speak amiss and I'll go back and go, oh, my gosh, I thought it said that. It says this. Well, I, I know. I'm sure there's past podcasts where if I listened to it, I'd be like, oh, I don't think that's right. <laughs> and so, you know, <laughs> details, one thing, getting somebody's name wrong or something like that. But but encouraging the example. That's why I was so passionate to to give that example this week. Yeah. What does scripture say on it? Uh -huh. And and let's move forward there together. Yes. But especially, you know, we've all been wrong before. So that's why we encourage you. Uh -huh. Th this is a great resource, we feel. Uh, but certainly reading it yourself is, is even so more so good. So. And make no mistake, there is grace for everybody. Absolutely. Jesus meets you where you're at because yeah. we see it all throughout the New Testament in the four Gospels. We see him meet people like the lady who went to the well that day. Mm -hmm. She was living in sin. She wasn't. Uh, in fact, I think the current person that she was with wasn't even her husband. That's right. And so all this stuff was happening. And he met her there. But then he tells her to take a drink of the water that he can provide. Yep. And so it's a it's a your best life, your best quality of life is what God wants for his babies. That's what we want for our own children. Why wouldn't he want that for his children? And embracing that and not embracing what the world tells us to embrace because it's empty. It's a broken cistern. Mm. Um, thank you for that. Thank you for being here. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Again, hopeondemand.com is a great resource for you. And we appreciate we appreciate um, any kind words that you'd say, five-star reviews, including the five-star review that we got where they said, I accidentally hit five. I meant one. And I didn't <laughs> like it. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> no joke. You can look that up on Apple if you want to. But it, hey, it came through as a five-star. That's fantastic. <laughs>